Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wrong Football Podcast. My name's Dan, I'm here with G, the editor of thewrongfootball.com and we're here to talk all things American football again this week. What oh Pip Pip! So uh, we're down to the uh, the last four after the uh, divisional games, so just a couple of weeks away from the big one, the big Super Bowl. Uh, we've watched all four of this week's games and we fully intend to make our picks for the championship games too, so by the end of this episode you're going to know who we, uh, we think is going to make it to the big one. Um, but first as always, let's have a talk about uh, what's going on around the league. So how, how's things G, you uh, had a good weekend? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a really good game of football in terms of all four of them, pretty much. <laughs> I, I, I'm slightly gutted that one of them um, I, I tend to watch have to watch Sunday evenings on delay due to, you know, life going on and other halves yeah. and stuff. And I have the big important game spoiled, but we shall review it as, as if it was the fantastic spectacle that everybody else had. It certainly was. It certainly was. Anyway, yeah, so the uh, the first of the, uh, the talking points is more of an update point. We've, uh, we've mentioned this for the last couple of weeks, but it's always worth uh, just touching on what's happened in the, the, the coaching where Go around so uh, yeah last week uh, last week as of last week the uh, the Bills Rams 49ers Broncos and Chargers head coaches positions were uh, were still open um, since last week's pod um, in order to uh, to make our uh, our pod sound irrelevant. Uh, the, uh, As if we the, don't do a good enough job of that already. Absolutely. Well, the the the, the Broncos hired uh, Vance Joseph uh, very quickly after uh, after we'd said that that uh, job was still open. So uh, yeah, Vance Joseph is uh, is is now the uh, the new head coach in Denver. He's gone there from uh, obviously being uh, within the Dolphins defensive coordinator last year uh, and he's joined by Mike McCoy as well the former Bills head coach who's going to be the uh, offensive coordinator interesting uh, I mean we'd um, already talked to um, we talked about Vance Joseph last week being being a head coaching candidate and, and I don't know if he's worked with Mike McCoy um, previously so we'll just have to see how it goes I mean the big questions for them seems to be in terms of the Bills is um, sorry I've seen Bills and so I'm thinking Bills but obviously with Denver is um, what's going to happen with their young quarterbacks and the running game that needs to support support the yeah. offense as currently constructed it will be a different system to Gary Kubiak's but um, we should just have to see how they proceed going forward and, and mm-hmm. that would be one to watch with interest over the um, preseason and we won't really know until the game start next September it will be. Uh, there's been four other hires as well. So uh, Anthony Lynn is now the, uh, the head coach at, uh, at the Chargers, uh, formerly the interim head coach in Buffalo. Uh, Sean McDermott uh, is the head coach in, in, has has gone to Buffalo. Uh, he was the uh, the defensive coordinator in Carolina. Uh, Sean McVay takes over in LA for the Rams as well as their as their uh, head coach. Uh, and the 49ers have just just today. It looks as though like Carl uh, Shanahan's going to be the, uh, the head coach in San Francisco. Well, the interesting one for all this is that the two Sean's seem to be at opposite ends of the um, experience spectrum. Where um, Sean Sean McDermott um, obviously um, is very experienced defensive coordinator for the um, Panthers and sort of has earned his stripes and is ready to move on. Sean McVay is the um, the offensive coordinator from the Redskins and is only thirty. And yeah. the youngest, the youngest uh, ever head coach, coach. and yeah. that, that's a that's a curious hire to say the least. Um, I thought it was quite interesting reading the, uh, I've forgotten his first name, but Cooney, the tight end who used to play for Washington, um, yeah. was um very sceptical when um um McVeigh became his tight ends coach. Um, just sat there going, well, what, how's he going to help me? He's younger than I am. And within about two weeks was like totally turned around because he had all the answers. He understood all the defense, all the offense and was able to teach him and what, he, how he needed to react to the defense. So he was turned around very quickly. So we need to be a little bit careful because now is the season with coaching highs. All the puff pieces come out. Um, not necessarily picking on the journalists, but you know, this is a new head coach that not many people know about. So they'll be going around and obviously everybody's going to be pretty positive. Nobody's going to be sat there saying, Oh, I don't know about this one, but. 
there's a very different, big difference between knowing an offense inside out, learning on it, being able to teach it, and running a franchise as the head coach. It's actually a very different position to being a coordinator and it's not uncommon for really good coordinators to fail spectacularly at head coaches equally yeah. um, what might give Denver some hope is that lots of people have been talking about um, Vance Joseph as a, sort of a head coaching candidate for a while it's been very impressive and the Dolphins defense wasn't that impressive last week but, but it, it's sort of like a different style it's all about the overview and the leadership rather than, rather than the detailed work and, and I'm not really in a position obviously to comment on Joseph too too much in terms of what his everyday like is but he comes very highly recommended and it's whether you can enact that that overall vision, lead a, lead a large group of men organising you know a very disparate group of players, and whether you can keep that all all um, pointed in the same direction, uh, engage the players, have their respect, and motivate them. And, and it's a big challenge, and the only real proof we'll know is um, how the teams go next season. But you can do a good coaching job, have a rough roster, and not get great results. So we should just have to see. Yeah, we certainly will. It's, it's a strange one for me because now uh, there is a there is a, a coach in the. This is the first time there's ever been a head coach that's younger than me. Bizarre, bizarre. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Uh, so the the second point we're going to have a look at is uh, some of the teams that are on the move. So um, yeah, there's there's two potential. Well, one one definite one uh, potential team there that have, that have announced they they are on the move this week. No real surprises. The Chargers have officially announced that they're uh, moving to LA to join the Rams, and they've uh, they've un- unleashed a, a terrible new logo. I don't know if you've seen that. But it's, I think uh, yeah. that might be a placeholder. It's not like an official uh, change because that has to go through documentation. Hence why it looks just the same as I think it's the. Uh, Dodgers or somebody is very similar yeah. to another LA team but uh, yeah. yeah I think that's a placeholder thing just to <laughs> signify look we're moving to LA but it's not the yeah. final thing because they're still talking about whether there might even be a name change so we might have a new mascot oh very very good um, well the, the, the it's, it's been on, on the cards for a while that one we've discussed before obviously how uh, most of their most of this or a lot of this I can't remember the exact proportion but it's it's a high percentage I think it's significant um, I, yeah I think there is a group I wouldn't say I think it's I mean I've heard figures quoted as high as like 15,000 fans but this let, is their not, season ticket holders that are from LA yeah uh, sorry but, yeah by the but way. let's not pretend that that's most of a, um, there isn't a significant population of San Diego who yeah. are both um, very upset and so unlikely to travel just because they're very upset with the owner who i mean stadium financing in the states is weird because uh if you look at it economically and anybody who spends any time of it seems to come to the same conclusion that public you know why should we um basically fund these billionaires um stadiums for them the the arguments about the benefits of the public person local economy are not are just not true and the um these are not guys that can't afford it and even if they can't what if a league steps in offers them an interest-free loan and they'll be able to play it off with parachute payments in the lifetime of the stadium so i feel i feel sorry very sorry for the fans in san diego um I think Spanos is obviously a businessman and is entitled to an extent to make money, but this is, you know, this is a sports franchise, and I'm not. I, I worry about their long-term success in LA just because it's a fickle um, market. Um, there's so much to do there already. It's not like the Rams are exactly setting um, the world alight. I am kind of interested. To, they're going to be playing at the Home Depot Stadium, which is the um, other type of football, our type of football, home for the LA Galaxy, and so it's only got, I think, uh, a capacity of about twenty-eight thousand people. So it's it's a significantly smaller stadium than we're used to and that could produce like an interesting different more intimate uh, experience and I do wonder if, with um, the way Teddy's going whether we might end up with stadiums a bit more like that and try and make sort of like the, the game day experience for fans better than being up you know 90,000 for you and up there and all the logistics that invi- yeah. involves but it just 
it strikes me that they're in an okay position with, this, with so much turmoil. It's not like they're going to turn around and go straight to the playoffs, and, uh, particularly in the competitive division, and, and suddenly launch into, hey, we're a great franchise in LA. Absolutely. Well, we'll move on now, given the... Uh, given the, uh, the I feel the that's klaxon. unfair. There's a lot to... Go. It's a big topic. I, I resent I, this klaxon. It is, there is, it is a big topic, and there's also another one to talk about. So let's go on to the... Uh, I don't uh, the, care about the, the other Raiders. one. <laughs> the Raiders have, uh, have also uh, filed papers as well to move to Vegas. Uh, so they now need uh, 24 league owners to, to approve the move uh, in March's league meeting. It's apparently quite a, quite a well-supported move amongst the owners, so it'll, it's going to be quite interesting to see how that turns out. And obviously, again, it's another one we've talked about earlier in the season when we mentioned that there's uh, there's, a, there's a new a new tax that had been levied in, in Vegas to help pay for that stadium. Are we like sure say, about that? Because that was the proposition that was voted down in San Diego. Was it? Yeah, there was a... That I'm was sure it. that was in Vegas. No, no, it was in an election. I mean, I'm not saying there isn't one, but there was definitely a part of the whole San Diego saga was that in the last elections where we got our greater new orange president for the United States... Um, mm. That there was a California thing that that was um, a vote on whether you um, were going to put a hotel tax in San Diego for to pay help pay for the stadium. Either way, I mean, I've heard that one of the big guys who was backing financially for Raiders' move um, are pulled out, and so this is another one where the the owners of the Raiders aren't necessarily cash rich. They've got a lot of. Um, assets but they're all it's a lot of um from what i heard i believe uh, property stuff so they don't have a lot of money to just put up to fund this move so being curious to see how it goes and and i mean we've talked before about how good an idea it is to put 50 odd young men with a lot of money near all those casinos uh, yeah. but also are there enough is there enough local fan base amongst population that live there to support franchise full-time there'll be a lot of transients in but that might not necessarily lead to a great home crowd for the LA. And again, I felt sorry for San Diego. I feel sorry for Oakland. The, they, well, I mean, what's I don't know what they what they how many they usually draw to their games. To be honest, well, Oakland is a huge. Um, it's a well-supported franchise. If you remember, we were talking earlier about the fact that they, there were more oh, Oakland yeah, no, fans well in San Diego than than, yeah. than um, there were Chargers fans. I mean, a part of that is because obviously with all the stuff that's going on in the Spanos and like the stuff last year, the attendance it seems was significantly down this year because the the Chargers fans were basically fed up with the owner and were protesting because they he, they figured he was taking it away anyway. But it's not a lack of fans that's supporting it. It's just that they need again it's stadium financing and, and they yeah. really need to do something about the stadium in Oakland and and the local government aren't prepared to fund it and nor should yeah. they really no absolutely well uh, do you think that's about it just very quickly do you think that's about it for, for teams in terms of franchise moves that's that's kind of three in two years now if, if these both go through so uh, yeah do you think that's about it the one that everybody watches is the Jaguars um, they can't sell out that stadium um, at least not for professional football uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, moving a franchise to London everybody seems to think that might be the one that makes sense um, it will that will be I mean that's the only one that I think at the moment particularly as the Bills now have like a local owner who's determined to keep them up there so it feels like everybody else is pretty settled yeah until one of the LA teams have to move somewhere else because it's not working but you know we'll give them a few years for it to all go wrong first <laughs> okay so that was the uh, divisional week in the books this uh, this week and uh, yeah from from eight there is now four so uh, yeah from the four games this week uh, two Saturday games the first one was uh, Seattle Seahawks against the Atlanta Falcons the Seahawks uh, obviously dominated the, the Lions last week to make this game uh, but the Falcons finished in the, the second seed place in the NFC so we uh, came into this one off a bye um, the Falcons won this one 36-20 uh, in the end but uh, it was the Seahawks who started the brightest wasn't it they took quite an early lead and, and the Falcons didn't re- 
really kind of take over this one until until towards the end of the second quarter. Yeah, um, it was a, a tough early start. The um, Seahawks came in, um, obviously, off the back of playing last week and with a certain amount of confidence, and Falcons were a little rusty. But, I mean, they got a touchdown very early on in the second quarter, and, and both teams, if memory serves, had very impressive opening drives where where they were... And then it was sort of like the adjustments after those initial scripts, which early showed the signs for the Seahawks and then the Falcons just dragged themselves in and looked great pretty much on offense from the get-go and then the yeah. defense slowly came round uh the there were problems with um the line of the of the Seahawks and in fact uh, this led to a replacement guard who managed to um step on uh Russell Wilson's foot and lead to a yeah. safety which was you know always a bit fun so uh, <laughs> you like your the, safeties. I do like my safeties it wasn't the best safety in the world but but it's not every day you see a quarterback just you know trodden on by his by his line <laughs> but um those sort of problems came back to bite them and and the Seahawks just didn't have um enough uh, of an ability to to cope with the Falcons offense which in fairness they've, they've put up very historic um numbers this season even taking into account some of the um, dodgy defenses they've played in their own division I mean they've been, they've been pretty good all season haven't they it's, uh, this this game uh 338 passing yards uh, and, and over 100 uh, rushing yards as well so I suppose anyone who's, who's going to be facing that, I suppose in this case it's going to be the uh, the Packers next week, is, is going to really sort of need to contain that offence going forward, aren't they? Yeah, um, but I'm not sure. I get the feeling that the NFC um, Conference Championship game is going to be something of a shootout. Um, we'll cover the Packers in greater deal in a, in a, in a few minutes. But the Falcons have been really good on offence all season. And I feel like there's been sort of two things. There's been... With the MVP discussion, there's been a real push on the year that um, Matt Ryan is is having, and so there's been a lot of people pushing out saying, "Yeah, he's the MVP of the league." And then there's others saying, "And uh, hang on a minute, um, there are other players who play better, and we're still not convinced by him because of the playoff success." And there's sort of like this idea that he chokes or he doesn't perform in the playoffs. Obviously, mm. this was a good start to it, but um, he's sort of going to make or break that reputation to a certain extent against the Packers uh, next week, which is so harsh on these players because, Pac- um, you know, Rodgers is playing out in his mind at the moment and, and to have your whole career defined on, you know, such a tight game, as we'll discuss us with, with the um, other close NFC game this week, it, it, it can come down to such fine margins that... that I think we still did fall into that trap of giving too much credit to a quarterback when they win and too much um and, and too much blame when they lose. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's there was there was other good players that, that, that they look really good. I mean Devontae Freeman looked, looked really good as well. Uh he had a, a really good uh, catch and run play with uh, 53 yards, didn't he? Yeah, I mean the Falcons have been um really balanced and that's one of the things we were talking about early early uh in the game was the fact that they you know there were seven or six or seven um, different players that caught passes and they're moving the ball all around and that with that many options it makes quarterback's life that much easier because he's not mm. having to focus in on one player and, and it makes the defense his job really hard because they can't just like oh we'll double down this receiver and we're fine you know in previous years it's like okay we'll bracket Julio Jones and and we've got it covered and and that just doesn't work against this Falcons offense anymore and that's why um, Kyle Shanahan's been looked at for the um, job in San Francisco yeah, nice, uh, nice little consolation touchdown at the end for uh, for, the, for the Seahawks, wasn't there? They uh, they had a Hester uh, return the kickoff for seventy eight yards, and then obviously uh, Russell Wilson threw a lo- lovely little pass to Doug Baldwin just to in. So uh, yeah, nice two nice two play touchdown. Yeah, yeah, uh, and 
but there's only so much consolation you can have in a game like this and they were well out of it behind and yeah. I, in fairness to the Seahawks they were just so beat up this season with the offensive line problems which is their own doing because they didn't address it in the off season but obviously with um, Earl Thomas and they've been beaten up all year um, you, and this is a down year for the Seahawks and they won a playoff game so you know yeah. let's, I'm sure they will be back and competitive next season they certainly will and the Falcons as we say will go on to uh, to meet the Packers next week we'll more on those in a second uh, the second game, the uh, the late game on Saturday, uh, was the Texans and the Patriots. So the Patriots were, were the ones coming off the bye uh, on this one as top seed in the AFC. But the uh, the Texans won a fairly fairly one sided game uh, last week against the Raiders. But uh, while while the New England Patriots won, it was thirty four sixteen in the end. This one, they they I, I didn't really think they looked like their usual dominant selves, did they? What did you What did you think? I think the Texans did a good job of acting as spoilers on defense, and yeah. um, which is interesting given that obviously in the first quarter. Um, they went down 14-3 and the Patriots moved the ball a bit on them but um, they did some clever scheming stuff and and with the uh, tackles of the Patriots having been pretty good all year they moved um, Merciless and Clowney sort of to attack the Garden Centre combo and had some success there and they rattled and got enough pressure on Brady that he didn't play terribly, but you know he threw picks and it wasn't quite as smooth um, as you would perhaps expect. But yeah. the problem they had is, although they affected Brady and and the offense, the offense was still efficient enough to score those points and figured out that um, they couldn't carry. They just were really struggling to uh, cover Dion Lewis. And the, the whole problem for them was that Brock Osweiler was just the problems came to resurface and he just misses too many throws. And I don't okay. know if it's a mechanical issue, an arm talent or what it is, but there's just too many throws, too many balls going into the wrong place. And so when you can't keep up on offense, it just puts too much pressure on what is an incredible defense. And they've got a lot to build on next year I believe uh, um, that the corner who's been so good for Mabue is a free agent but uh, when you get JJ Watt back into um, that front seven alongside a Clowney who's really coming together now and Merciless that, that that's going to be a really good defence but they need to either fix Osweiler or get a quarterback solution and I think in your notes earlier there was some talk about the fact that Bill O'Brien isn't going to be hiring a new um, offensive coordinator or, or you know he's going to be doing it himself but they've got to do something about getting that offence fixed because the defence is too good and is being let down at the moment. Yeah, uh, well, there's, you, you mentioned Dion Lewis, so it's a lovely play for him. I do like seeing a uh, kickoff return for a touchdown, unless unless it's against the Dolphins, of course. Um, and there was uh, yeah, there was one of those uh, in this one, ninety-eight yard kickoff return from Dion Lewis in the uh, in the first quarter. Yeah, they were sort of all in where um, they were playing a lot of, of starters in special teams, and he had sort of like one or one or two fumbles. But yeah, he did he did he did have a nice breakout, and it was sort of we had some good runbacks. Uh, I mean, there was one in the previous game that Hester took yeah. back on from kickoff, and then was called back for a holding, and he'd done like. 70 yards so for for a player who's I think that's at least his second if not his third team this season he, the Seahawks managed to to get something out of him in a week but yeah in this one it was it was just one of those games where uh it, it looked for a little bit like it was going to be competitive and then just the Patriots pulled away yeah absolutely um the the Texans are, you, you've kind of talked about a little bit on uh, on, on what you think of, uh, of the Texans chances how, how do you think they are going to be overall next year it's so much is dependent on, on, on what's going to happen at offense you know it all depends on whether and I think they've got the receivers to uh, to to stand a good chance but until they address and have functional quarterback play and it doesn't need to be elite level but it needs to be like league standard competent level and yeah. Osweiler was easily the worst by record in the league I believe so they have to sort that otherwise things are not going to happen and you have to worry that about a little bit because that seems to be 
the um, story of Bill O'Brien's time in, in Houston, which is curious given that he's meant to be a offensive guru and a quarterback whisperer. Yeah, well, uh, the, uh, the the Patriots are going to go on to their their sixth straight AFC Championship game uh, next next week, which is which is crazy, and they uh, they obviously will uh, will be facing uh, the Steelers, and again we'll 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 get onto that uh, in a bit more detail in a little bit. Um, the third game, the uh, the Sunday night, well, the first of the Sunday night games was uh, it, well, it, it was easily a contender for the uh, game of the year for me. It was uh, it was the Packers and the Cowboys. Packers went in off a seven game winning streak. Uh, Cowboys were, were arguably for probably the first two thirds of the season, one of the best teams uh, there. So it, it ended up, it, it was ended up really close. It was it was a really really close game. Thirty four thirty one was the uh, the final score uh, in this game. Aaron Rodgers has got to be a contender this year for MVP, hasn't he? See, I'm struggling a little bit because I mean we've already talked about the, about the um, candidacy of um, Matthew Ryan right. and, and what yeah. he's done with the Falcons all season. Then you've got some people talking about Tom Brady, but he missed four games and but has then played really really well. And the thing with with um, Aaron Rodgers is he's had an incredible end of the season. He's taken that form to the playoffs, but the MVP is for a regular season award, and they were pretty rotten for the first ten games. You know, they needed that that run at the end, and so he's he's you know right up there as, as, uh, in terms of being as good a quarterback there is in the league, and he can do things that Tom Brady can't. And Brady came out and said that this week. Um, <laughs> And certainly his movement outside the pocket is amazing and his, his, his sort of arm talent and his ability to be accurate with the ball is kind of amazing. But earlier in the season, he was working outside of stretch with the offense and it wasn't running. So I really struggle. I, I struggle a little bit with MVP anyway because it seems to be, you know, like quarterback stroke, maybe running back who plays on, back, the, on, on the winning, yeah. on the winning, on the team that won the most games. And, and it's so hard, a relative concept, but he's been playing so well recently. But in fairness... The Packers came out and he's calm and collected, and you could tell the Packers have been here before, and they played really well, and they sort of, you know, were twenty-one-three up in no time um, against the Cowboys. But Dak Prescott didn't panic; he got himself back in. They they sort of dragged themselves back in through the through um, the second half and got it close. And all that talk about will Tony Romo play? Will he panic? Yeah, you could probably argue that Prescott was likely a bit nervous and 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 took a little time to get into the game. But you know he performed really well, and so you know at least that narrative is put to bed. But um, it's going to be pretty heartbreaking to lose on on what was an incredible kind of um, finish with the last 35 seconds because you've got those two plays and that ridiculous throw by Rodgers yeah. to with an even crazier catch by um, Cook and that Jared was just Cook. yeah it was just how he got his toes in inbounds and caught that ball and then um, the kick twice to actually win them the game yeah I mean three 50 plus yard field goals in the, in the last minute and a half of the game yeah <laughs> you, you don't get excitement like that no and, it's and, uh, and if you look at the quarterback rating, believe it or not, that Prescott rates out higher than um, Aaron Rodgers. Although Rogers, he's yeah. got like you know fifty odd less pa- yards, but uh, it was a really, really good competitive game. And there'll be some talk that, that, that the um, Cowboys um, failed by not winning, but it, in such fine margins that they can be pretty proud of their season, and um, they can stock up and have a good um, draft on defense and just strengthen that side of the ball where they could be a real scary proposition next year they certainly could certainly could there was, um, one thing I noticed there's a lot of sacks this week wasn't it there was five in this game yeah um, I was surprised by that I mean uh, Rodgers is kind of a hard player to get down um, and for, for, yeah the Cowboys didn't have the best game on the line that they've, they've had they're, you know they're a good no. unit but, but they did struggle a bit but two on one side three on the other um, high state game games with 
both quarterbacks sort of trying to extend plays, but particularly with Rogers, it really sort of puts a tough um, ask on your pass pass protection and, and the Packers yeah. are as good as anybody and there's a real knack to, to having to play that where usually your protection is built around where the play's going, where the quarterback goes to his spot in his throwing lane and obviously with the amount of improvisation that um, Aaron Rodgers does, everybody talks about well he makes protection but actually the line have to work very hard mm. in, in trying to understand where he's going and where he might break to so that they can protect him. Yeah, uh, well it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they, uh, how they do that next week against the uh, the Packers, uh, sorry against the, the Falcons <laughs> They are the, the Packers, Packers. The Packers are playing the, the Packers, are they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, they should win. Um, <laughs> no, against the uh, against the Falcons uh, this this week uh, in the uh, in the championship game. So uh, yeah, keep uh, keep your eyes peeled for that one because I think it's going to be a, a, a really good game. Um, the final game of this week was the Steelers and the Chiefs. It was a it was a it was a very close one. Uh, Kansas City uh, unfortunately couldn't pick up the win on this one. The Steelers uh, won eighteen sixteen, and uh, yeah, it was all all of Pittsburgh's points were from six field goals, uh, which was surprising to me, seeing how how dominant their offense was last week in, in in Miami, and and really how dominant they were in this game as well. Yeah, it was the the Chiefs sort of did enough to win this game in that they contained um, um, the Steelers. They wouldn't let them score a touchdown, and so whilst the Steelers moved the ball, they couldn't get the ball into the end zone. Yeah, um, but they just couldn't cope with the Steelers' defense, which has really come together over the last few weeks. Um, Bud Dupree was being a menace um, on the field all over the place again, as was um, James Harrison, who at thirty nine is just kind of incredible. He's still doing what he is. The, the, the Chiefs, Alex Smith just couldn't quite make the plays. Um, they managed to not break. They managed to contain Tyreek Hill, and so the Chiefs couldn't just find either the, the aggressive turnover and, and points after it that they needed on defense. Or, I mean, they scored two touchdowns against a team that didn't score a touchdown and still lost the game. It was kind of a grind them out, awkward yeah. game, and it. You might have to worry, and we've talked about how good the, the Chiefs are in terms of what they've done in the regular season, but. They need something extra, it seems, if they're gonna if they're gonna really make um, the splash that they want to in the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Steelers keep on rolling as they are, despite Ben Roethlisberger still isn't quite right. And there was, you know, the occasional play to Antonio Brown, but really the Steelers' offense at the moment is the Le'Veon Bell show. Now it's a pre- pretty incredible show at the moment, but but the but the passing game isn't quite what we've come to expect from from Ben Roethlisberger over the last few seasons. Yeah, 170 yards for uh, Le'Veon Bell, which is uh, which is a, a really a, a scary figure again, and, and on top of last week as well. Uh, where he was, he was absolutely instrumental in in taking the Dolphins apart. He, it's, uh, yeah, he'll be yeah. ready for he'll be he'll be ready for his rest whenever the season ends for them because you know he's, he's racking he up will. the carries recently. Absolutely, um, and it was it was one where the the Chiefs could really have pulled level, wouldn't they? they towards right at the end, uh, they uh, they they scored a touchdown and they they went for the went for a two point conversion, which could have uh, drawn the, uh, the 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 game level, uh, but they couldn't they couldn't couldn't convert, could they? No, it was well, they did convert, but there was a holding penalty well, which. Um... Couldn't convert legally. <laughs> yes, I mean it's one of those things where Travis Kelfie's been um, quite outspoken about the officiating afterwards. But from I still I haven't seen the play on replay, unfortunately. But um, basically, the, the Eric Fisher had the choice of um, holding and basically tackling James Harrison or letting him blow up the play. So he's sort of damned if he didn't, damned if he didn't. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it was a tight one to lose, and you can understand the players being upset. But um, 
they just needed to make more plays. I either get something going on special teams and the Steelers were noticeably deliberately kicking away from Hill, uh, particularly early on in the game, um, to make sure that he couldn't have a return and they were just unable to make the splash play, play on either phase of the game that they've sort of needed to turn things around. Yeah, well, uh, the Steelers are going to face the uh, the Patriots uh, this weekend in a uh, in a game for the for a place in the Super Bowl. That is, uh, yeah, it's going to be another good game. I think I'm I'm really really looking forward to uh, to, to to this weekend's games. But uh, yeah, more on that uh, in in just a couple of minutes. Right then, Jay, it's that time again for us to have a look at what you've been writing about on the blog this week. So, uh, yeah, this week you uh, you wrapped up the coverage of the wildcard week a bit uh, with a review of the, uh, the seasons of the four teams who lost last weekend. So tell us uh, what you think of the futures of the uh, the Dolphins, Lions, Giants and the Raiders. So, the Dolphins, I'm pretty hopeful. I'm worried about their front office still, but Adam Gase... Um, you know, I think had a very positive first season, and and I think he melded it into a, a unit that fought for him. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the defense I think needs some improvement. Uh. We've talked about that before, and be curious to see. I don't know if you've got a new head coach or not, but um, that will take some work. Uh. The Lions, um, obviously, for large parts of the season, did pretty well. I mean, I think we've definitely established it, that the alliance of um Matthew Stafford at quarterback and Jim Bob Cooter definitely works. So that side of the ball, I'm not too worried about at all. But they they need to shore up that that shore up that defense and kind of tidy things up for them. Who are the other two? I'm suddenly blanking. Uh, Giants on. and the Raiders. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Raiders. I think strengthen that defense and obviously get Derek Carr back, and they'll be fine. Um, the Giants. The big question is Odell Beckham. Um, the defense played really well. They might need to start looking at quarterback. You know. Yes, I agree. I, I just Eli Manning was not good this this year, and he's always been a little bit streaky. But um, something needs to. They need to find a running game. Some. It, it might just be that you know um, some better tackles and a run game will will help him out enormously. But a bit of consistency from Odell Beckham and an improvement at quarterback will go a long way to helping him. But I've was surprised by them. I thought they were going to be at the train crash and I'm still not convinced that the problems were with Tom Coughlin because they spent a lot of money on defence that he didn't mm. get and suddenly the defence turns around and I, you know, I, I'm i impressed that they turned it round um, but they'll need to do continue that work if they want to improve particularly given that you've got Carson Wentz looking very good so the Eagles will be competitive and you don't see the Cowboys going anywhere and there's nothing to say that Washington can't be competitive next season as well so you know they will need they can't afford to stand still because standing still in that division will mean going backwards Absolutely. Um, well, you were uh, quite active on Twitter this week as well, weren't you? Uh, what well, been, what you've been uh, looking at this week? There was there was a really good piece uh, um, by um, Mina Kimes up on ESPN, which I sort of heard about via via various pods I listened to, and so yeah, I was tweeting out about that just because um, it was covering something that we've mentioned, we've discussed a little bit before in Ty- Tyreek Hill's kind uh, um, past, and obviously the reason he was drafted in the fifth round was due to the um, domestic uh, abuse situation that um, he ended up throttling his uh, pregnant girlfriend and the problem is that there's a real discomfort in discussing when to bring it up and so it's okay now because we're having a discussion about that but um, she goes into not only talking about sort of his history the awkwardness of you know talking about him as should I pick him up as my fantasy flex and talking about um, 
you know what he did his history how he can do it what happened to ray rice and it's just a really well balanced really written well written piece that i thought um as many people should see as possible basically absolutely well if you uh if you want to check out the uh the link to that go and uh, have a look at g's uh twitter it's at wrong football and for all uh much more uh, from from g uh, make sure you stay tuned to the blog it's at uh, the wrongfootball.com are you ready for some football Right then, we are down to the uh, the very uh, the, the very end of the season, so we're, we're getting towards the uh, that that big Super Bowl, and uh, yeah, it's time for us to pick who we think is going to be there, who's going to be at the uh, the big one this year. So, mm-hmm. um, this week's games, uh, the Championship Week, uh, is uh, well, they're both being played on Sunday. Uh, the early game is the Packers and the Falcons, the NFC game. This is going to be a fantastic game, I think. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Two um, incredibly strong offenses um, going at each other. Um, the Atlanta defense isn't that great, but um, Vic Beasley uh, leads the league in sacks, and so and they've been doing enough with the lead uh, and pressure. The Packers um, defense um, has been banged up a corner, but didn't look, you know, look okay against the Cowboys certainly not massively overmatched so I think that's going to be a really competitive tight game um, I might lean towards the Packers just because nothing seems to be able to stop Aaron Rodgers at the moment but I would not underestimate um, the, the Atlanta Falcons and I think either one of those would be a very worthy and exciting Super Bowl uh, participant. They certainly would, and I'm, I'm going to tell you now, the uh, the winner of that game is the team I'm going to be supporting in the Super Bowl. So uh, <laughs> mainly because I can't stand the other the other two in the uh, in the other half of the uh, half of the. Uh, we'll, we'll cover half, that in a second. Half of the draw, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I think, I think personally, uh, on on this one on the NFC game, I'm, I, yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I can't see I, nobody at the minute can stop the uh, seems to be able to stop the Packers, but I kind of think if anyone's going to do it, it it's going to be the Falcons. So. Yeah, it's, I, I, I can't wait to uh, to watch this game. Very much. I mean, I can see a way where Atlanta can win, but you know, but you wouldn't want to bet against um, Aaron Rodgers in the form he is at the moment. You definitely wouldn't. Um, AFC, other side of the uh, of, of the league. It's the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers making the trip to New England <laughs> to face the Patriots. Dirty head hunting, horrible Steelers. <laughs> so you're, I love uh, I love how neutral you've uh, you've become now. We're uh, now you. A proper journalistic podcast and blog and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know it's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so the yeah, the Steelers and the uh, and the Patriots. Yeah, boo, two teams. I, I don't, I don't, I don't really like, if I'm perfectly honest. So I'm uh, I'm just as bad. Um, yeah. Part of me. I mean, here's the thing. I, it's not that I want to see the Patriots win again, but with all the Deflate Gate nonsense, part of me would kind of like to see them have to hand another. Um, to have to watch. To get to watch Roger Goodell grudgingly give another Super Bowl championship <laughs> to uh, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick yeah. would be hilarious, given how the league botched it and and all that's going on. But this is we're way ahead of ourselves because um, this should be a competitive game. I think I do fancy the Patriots to win it. Um, they're very hard to beat at home. I think um, the the Steelers. The defense is playing really well, and that could give uh, um, Tom Brady some problems. But with what's going on on the Steelers' offense, and the fact that okay, they always talk about what the um, Bill Belichick does is to take away your one thing and make you beat them in another way. And if there's anybody in the league who can find a way to stop um, Ben Roethlisberger, you'd like to think scheme-wise it would be Belichick and, and his defense. So I, I just think that I fancy that. The, the Patriots are just that little bit more well-rounded and so I, I, I lean towards them winning but it would not surprise me if the Steelers pulled it off because you know they have a, a serious playoff pedigree themselves 
I tend to agree. Um, it's I think it's going to be a close one this one, but uh, yeah, I, I can't I can't really see see past the uh, the Patriots winning and, and going to the Super Bowl yet again, unfortunately. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, by, by the time we wake up on Monday morning, we'll uh, we'll all know exactly who's going to be uh, who's going to be in the in the uh, in the Super Bowl this week. So yeah, that's uh, that's exciting, isn't it? It is exciting. Although you know, I will be delaying finding it out so I can actually get to watch the games. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I'm not sure I've got the uh, quite got the the um, uh, what's the, what's the word? Discipline. Uh, uh, yeah, the discipline to uh, to do that. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna have to uh, wake up and and, and check uh, straight away. Fair enough. If, I, I'll if be the hiding, NFL app. Yeah, I shall be hiding from the news and all updates. And apparently, Facebook this um, after after, <laughs> after the Packers Cowboys debacle of this week. Yeah, I was gonna say unless the uh, the NFL app uh, spoils it for me first, anyway. I felt that one way up here. Well, that's what we've got time for this week and this episode of the Wrong Football Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We're back again next week. We'll be looking at the games from the Championship Week as well as making that all-important pick for who is going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, in the meantime, make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast to get it delivered to your uh, inbox each and every Thursday night. Especially important at the minute as we'll be having a uh, a bit of a break after the Super Bowl. Uh, and also make sure you uh, check out the blog to keep up with what G's been up to. Uh, and that's at thewrongfootball.com. If you want to get in touch, please make sure you either drop us an email to twfpodcast at outlook.com or find either G or myself on Twitter at WrongFootball or at TWFDan. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you again next week. Ah!